Before we begin this week's truly amazing show, I wanted to pass along some prayer requests and some prayer request updates. First is Doris. Um, I've been sharing Doris with you all the past couple of weeks and asking for your prayers. Uh, Doris, is her health is declining quickly. She's not eating at all, and she drinks just maybe a few sips of water a day. Uh, she is now receiving home hospice care, which is good because that was an issue as far as her getting the care that she needed. Um, she's been taken off all of her medications that she was on uh, when she was doing better because she's not able to swallow. So um, she is now on morphine. So it, it's only a matter of time before uh, Doris passes. And if you all could please keep Doris in your heart and in your prayers that she passes as peacefully as possible. And also, if you could keep Elaine and Bob in your prayers as well. Uh, Bob is uh, Doris's son, and Elaine is my mother, who is Bob's wife. So if you could keep them in your prayers as well. Uh, they've been amazing caretakers of Doris for over 10 years now. And as you can only imagine, this is very difficult for them uh, to to watch Doris as she uh, slowly passes from this lifetime. The next prayer request comes from my wife, Haven. Those of you who've listened to the show know who Haven is. I tend to talk about her at least once every show because uh, she's my heart. She's my everything. And those of you, again, who listen to the show know that, as I've said many, many times, uh, Haven does not know a stranger. Um, my son and I fondly refer to her as the mother of the world because she genuinely heartfelt cares for every living being she comes in contact with. And through her job, she deals with the public. So she gets a lot of people coming and going constantly. And a lot of the people that come into her place of employment are people who are ill. And uh, the gentleman that came in uh, this past Friday uh, excuse me, Saturday. Yeah, Saturday. So the gentleman that came in uh, yesterday was was not ill, uh, but his wife is. And my wife is a truly amazing empath. And she can really tell when something's wrong with somebody. And, she, you know, she is, again, so motherly that she can gently um, reach inside you and, and help you and, and, and you know, kind of massage your heart to help you uh, express what is going on with you and try to offer you help and healing. Uh, so she saw this gentleman who, uh, of course, was agonizing over something, um, you know, not visibly, but she could, you know, by energy, she could feel it. She asked him if he was okay. And he said, no, he wasn't really. And she asked, you know, well, is there something I can help you with? And he said, really not. And um, he elaborated that his his wife has suffered from, I guess, a type of endometriosis or an extreme type of endometriosis or something to that extent for many years. And she's lived every day in a lot, a lot of pain. And to combat that pain, uh, she's been taking Tylenol. And that's an over if those of you I don't know in other countries if you have it or not. But here in the States, that's an over the counter pain medication and um it's very affordable so a lot of people take it but it's it's not good for you especially long term so she's been taking like five or more of these tylenol 
uh, pain relievers every day for years um, to try to help take the edge off of her pain. Most of the times it didn't do that, but she is now in a coma uh, with liver failure. And um, I don't know if it's cirrhosis or not. Now, my grandfather passed away from cirrhosis of the liver uh, due to complications from hepatitis. Um, and I can tell you all who aren't uh, are familiar with this uh, type of disease, but it is so horrible to see someone go through this. Um, and it's, it's so painful to watch. And uh, so my wife, her Haven, she asked the gentleman um, for his wife's name. He didn't give his name, but he did give his wife's name. Her name is Barbara. And, um, you know, Haven said, you know, she told him that we would be praying for him. And it almost is like the man has lost his faith. And anybody can understand how and why. Um, so let us please, please, please keep Barbara in your hearts and in your prayers as well as her husband. You know, let's pray that Barbara recovers and that, um, you know, she's able to live out the rest of her life in health, love and peace. And that her husband uh, witnesses this miraculous uh, healing that this he witnesses his miracle to where it changes him and brings back his faith not only brings it back but brings it back with power and strength so please 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 join me in praying for barbara and her husband next prayer request is for my sister tanya she has to go to uh, get some outpatient surgery this coming wednesday as well as a biopsy I believe um, if you all could keep her in your heart and prayers that the biopsy comes back negative, that the procedure goes very well and that she is comfortable and heals very quickly. That would be so much appreciated. Prayers are still needed for little Coco, who is my sister's dog, uh, who's suffering from kidney stones. Uh, Coco should be getting another x-ray here. In a few weeks, and we will see if the kidney stones are breaking up and passing on their own. Uh, we hope she does not have to have surgery. At least that's what we're praying for. So uh, please keep little Coco in your thoughts and prayers that she is comfortable and that these uh, kidney stones break up on their own and pass without harm. And last but certainly not least is our dear brother and friend of the show, Mike who gave us an amazing interview uh, several shows ago regarding the 12 steps and how it saved his life and how he lives life from the 12 steps. If you haven't had a chance to listen to that one, please go check that one out. It is an incredible show with such amazing information. And Mike is very raw in sharing his life and his ups and his downs, his many downs and his backups. He is definitely a person that you can't keep down and infinite blessings to him for it. But anyway, I do have an update on uh, Mike and his wife. They were both suffering from the Omicron variant. Uh, both have recovered and are doing well. And infinite thanks and blessings to each and every one of you for all of your prayers. And if you are in need of prayers or you know someone who is, um, please 
contact me and let me know. There's information at the end of the show on exactly how you can do that. I love to pray, and so do everyone that listens to the show. So please, let us pray for you. Welcome to the Faith and More podcast. I firmly believe that the divine works through people to help us every day. These angels and saints are so very humble. Many of us don't know they exist or existed. Hello, my name is Angel, and I'll be your host as we explore the lives of these amazing beings. We will also explore topics that can help your faith, no matter what it is or isn't. The goal of this show is to inspire, encourage, educate, uplift, strengthen, and heal you and your faith. Hello and welcome to the show, everyone. If you're new to the show, thank you so much for finding us. It is my deepest hope and prayer that you find everything that you're looking for in a podcast here and more. And if you're returning, infinite thanks and blessings to you for continuing to follow the show and for being a listener. So it's interesting, or at least I think it's interesting, how I find uh, topics and people to showcase for the show. And by the way, I'm still always open and always will be open to suggestions. As I say at the close of every show, we have people from all over the world listening. And I know all of you have amazing beings in your culture, in your cities, in your countries that people in the rest of the world don't know about but should know about. So please never hesitate to contact me and Make me aware of these people so we can showcase them on the show. And if they're alive and available, maybe even do an interview with them. That's something that we're trying out here lately. It seems like it's been going pretty good. We've had two interviews this season. Uh, So I'll have information at the end of the show on exactly how to contact me if you don't already know. So again, the interesting way I find these things is as I pray on it a lot and I allow the divine to direct me to whatever it wants on the show. Because as I've said many shows, this show is from the divine. This show was, uh, you know, I was tapped on the head by the divine, tapped on the heart, I guess you could say, however you want to say it, to do this show. Um, I fussed a little bit, but it didn't get me far. (laughs) Again, I've covered this in other shows, so no need to go through it again. But Anyway, so, uh, you know, I always have a list of people I'm going to do shows on, right? But there's times, many, many times when things, the divine will just throw something in front of me. And this week's show is exactly that. Something that was just thrown in front of me. Here, do a show on these amazing beings. So, yes, I said these amazing beings is in more than one actually 16 okay so this story that i'm about to share with all of you is tragic and quite sad but we can gain a lot of courage and strength um in it and as as well as hope because um what happened to them was not in vain what happened to them um brought about quite quickly a change and not just a change like locally but a national change in their country and i'll get to that here 
in the story. Okay, so this is the story of the Martyrs of Campion. Show of hands if anybody has heard or has heard of the Martyrs of Campion before. Yeah, I don't, I don't think many have. Unless you live in France and you may have heard it in your history lesson or Catholic history or somewhere, but I don't think many uh, have heard of it. As a matter of fact, I didn't even know about them until the divine just dropped this in my lap. So a martyr, for anyone that is not aware, is someone who um, dies in the line of their faith, that they put, they refuse to denounce their faith all the way to death. And there are so many martyrs um, across history, and even still today, I'm sure once things are finished in Ukraine, and I so pray with all my heart and mind that that ends very, very, very soon. Um, you're going to hear a lot about martyrs um, in in the Ukraine, or excuse me, Ukraine. I keep saying the. Um, and the martyrs of Compion were 16 members of the Carmel of Compion, France. 11 were displaced Carmelite nuns. Now, Carmelite nuns should ring a bell for those who listen to the show because St. Therese of Lisieux, who we showcased in season one, was and is a Carmelite nun. There were three lay sisters and two externs, also known as tertiaries. They were executed by the guillotine towards the end of the reign of terror of what is now the place de la nation in Paris on the 17th of July, 1794, and are venerated and beatified martyrs of the Catholic Church. Um, there are things in the works to make them saints, and I'll get to that at the end of the story. Ten days after their execution, Maximilian Robespierre, excuse me if my French isn't very good, <laughs> or even close, sorry to our French listeners, uh, was himself executed, ending the reign of terror. So Maximilian was the guy that was in charge of the reign of terror, uh, during the French Revolution, um, and we'll get into that, all that history here. So their story has inspired a novella, a motion picture, a television movie, and an opera. And again, as I had mentioned, their deaths were not in vain, that it was very quickly after their executions, um, they were all executed one after the other, which I'll be sharing here um, Ten days after their execution, um, that's when Maximilian himself was overthrown and executed and the reign of terror ended. And a lot of people, uh, a lot of historians uh, profess that it was due mainly to the execution um, of these Carmelite nuns is the reason that happened. So according to writer William Bush, the number of Christian martyrs greatly expanded in the early years of the French Revolution. Thousands of Christians were killed by the guillotine, as well as by mass deportations, drownings, imprisonments, shootings, mob violence, and sheer butchery. 
1790, the French Revolutionary government passed the Civil Constitution of the Clergy, which outlawed religious life, period. So anyone of any clergy could be imprisoned or executed for their faith and for professing their faith and being clergy of said faith. And before when I mentioned the definition of martyrs, um, I want it to be known as loud and clear as I can that martyrs aren't just Christians. There are martyrs of all faiths. I mean, especially um, pagan faiths. People who follow pagan faiths are some of the most uh, persecuted people on the face of the earth still today. Yes, a lot of Christians are still persecuted in other countries, as we've covered in previous podcasts. Um, you know, but again, predominantly pagans are disliked and uh, misunderstood by so many religions and faiths. And, and again, that's another reason why the show is here to help kind of try to. Um, disprove that and educate everybody on exactly what all these faiths are and to take away and disarm all of that hate and prejudice uh, against said faiths. So we'll continue on with the story. The community of Carmelite Sisters of Compagnon, a commune in northern France, 72 kilometers north of Paris, was founded in 1641. It was a daughter house of the monastery of Amiens. The community grew rapidly and was renowned for its fervor and fidelity. It was supported by the French court from its beginnings until interrupted by the French Revolution, which was hostile towards religion and the Catholic Church. Shortly after Bastille Day on the 4th of August 1790, government officials with armed guards interviewed each sister at their convent in Compiègne and forced them to choose between breaking their vows or risking further punishment. They all refused to abandon their lives of obedience, chastity, and poverty. They were allowed to stay at the convent, becoming wards of the state, which entitled them to receive government pensions. The revolutionary government at the end of 1791 required all clergy to swear a civic oath supporting the civil constitution or risk losing their pensions and becoming destitute. At Easter in 1792, the government plundered churches and interrupted services. It was the last Easter the sisters celebrated at Compiègne. Mother Teresa of St. Augustine the convent's prioress suggested to the community that they commit themselves to execution and offer themselves as a sacrifice for France and for the French church. She almost missed participating in the sacrifice she proposed because she had to return to her family's home in Paris to care for her elderly widowed mother. She returned to Compiègne four days before their execution and along with the rest of the sisters, was arrested. In August of 1792, the government ordered all women's monasteries closed. The seizure and removal of all the Compion convent's furnishings occurred on the 12th of September, and the sisters were forced to leave the convent and re-enter the world on the 14th of September, the end of their cloistered community. 
Mother Teresa made arrangements for the 20 sisters living in the convent at the time to hide in the city in four separate apartments and find civilian clothes for them to wear since the wearing of habits and religious apparel had been outlawed. They were dependent on the charity of friends and courageously continued to practice community prayer despite the government's orders. In 1794, after the terror began, the government searched the sisters' apartment apartments for two days. They found letters revealing their crimes against the revolution, which included hostility towards the revolution, strong sympathies to the monarchy, and evidence that they continued to live as a community of consecrated Christian women. They also found two letters written by the unfortunate Moula de la Menandiere to his cousin, Sister Euphrasia, of the Immaculate Conception, containing unfavorable criticisms of the revolution. Moula was accused of helping them and being a non-juring priest, even though he was married, and was arrested and imprisoned with the sisters. On the 22nd of July, the sisters and Moula were arrested and locked up in the former convent of the visitation and imprisoned, or excuse me, an improvised jail for political prisoners in the campaign. On the 10th of July, 1794, they were transferred to the Conciergerie prison in Paris to await trial. The sisters recanted their civic oath while in prison. During their trial on the 17th of July, 1794, in which they received no legal counsel, Sister Mary Henrietta tried to force the prosecutor to define the word fanatic, one of the charges against them. She pretended she did not know what the word meant, thus getting him to admit that their fanaticism was due to their religion, which made them criminals and annihilators of public freedom. Mother Teresa claimed full responsibility for the charges of being counter-revolutionaries and religious fanatics and defended and insisted on the other's innocence. All 16 sisters, along with Moolah, were sentenced to death. At one point, while waiting for transportation for, from the conciergerie to the site of their executions, one of the nuns, Sister St. Sister Louise, after consulting with Mother Teresa, bartered a fur wrap she owned for a cup of chocolate for the sisters to drink from to give them strength after not being able to eat anything all day. There were 26 nights between their arrest and execution. Now let's all keep in mind, um, again, those of you who've been listening to the show know the story of St. Therese. So just picture little St. Therese going and her sister fellow sisters going through what these blessed beings had to go through and they never wavered from their faith not for an instant not for a moment they stayed with their faith they professed their faith you know both vocally and and physically it's just it's so amazing and it, it gets it gets even more i mean all the way up to each of their deaths. And, and it's, I'm going to share that story here in a moment. It's, it's so very sad and tragic, but it, it should inspire and encourage 
and strengthen you in your faith. That if these women, these blessed beings, could do what they did, then you can do what you do with your faith, regardless of what that faith is. Stand strong in it. Don't let anyone allow or make you waver. You know, don't, don't allow. Don't let anyone make you waver from your faith. Regardless of the persecution you face for your faith, stay strong in your faith and to your divine. On the night of the 17th of July, 1794, the sisters were transported through the streets of Paris in an open cart, a journey that took two hours. During that time, they sang hymns of praise, including the Miserere and the Salve Regina, the Evening Vespers, and the Compline. Other sources state that they sang a combination of the Office of the Dead, the Vespers, and the Compline, and other shorter texts. Onlookers berated them, yelling insults and throwing things at them. While waiting to be executed, a sympathetic woman from the crowd offered the sisters water. But Sister Mary Henrietta stopped one of the sisters from accepting, insisting that it would break their unity and promising that they would drink when they were in heaven. A crowd gathered, as usual, at the Place du Trône, uh, which is now the Place de la Nation, the site of the executions, to watch. But the sisters showed no fear and forgave their guards. The final song the sisters sang was Psalm 116. Sister Constance, a novice, the youngest of the group and the first to die, spontaneously began the chant. But it was cut short by the guillotine blade. Each sister joined her and was silenced in the same way. The crowd became quiet as each sister approached Mother Teresa, kissed the statue of the Virgin Mary she held in her hands, and asked for permission to die. After watching each sister die, she was the last one to place her head under the guillotine. Each sister knelt and chanted the Venae Creator Spiritus before her execution as at their profession, then renewed their va baptismal and religious vows. Sister Charlotte, who was 78 years of age, was the oldest sister, walked with a crutch and was unable to stand up and get out of the cart because her hands were tied and the other sisters were unable to help her. Eventually, a guard gathered her up in his arms and threw her on the street. She lay face down on the pavement stones with no signs of life. As the crowd protested the guard's treatment of her, she stirred, lifted up her bloody smeared face, and warmly thanked the guard for not killing her, thereby depriving her of her share in her community's glorious witness for Jesus Christ. Sister Mary Henrietta stood up by her prioress until it was her turn to die, helping the 14 other sisters climb the scaffold steps before climbing them herself and was the second to last to die. Mother Teresa died last. 
And as we've shared before in previous stories with uh, saints and soon to be saints and people in the process of becoming saints, a big thing in the Catholic Church is relics. You know, anything that was the actual from the actual person themselves to their clothes to something they owned or um, like rosaries or tools that they used, you know, sacraments that they used. Um, and, and of course, as you can only imagine, as it continues to say here, there are no surviving relics of the martyrs of Campion because their heads and bodies were buried along with 128 other victims executed that day in a deep 30 feet square sand pit in Picpus Cemetery. Their burial site located in the back of the cemetery is marked with two large gravel covered quadrangles the heads and torsos of the 1306 people who were guillotined at the place de la nation between the 13th of june and the 27th of july 1794 are buried there their names, including the 16 martyrs of Campion, as well as Molat, are inscribed on marble plaques covering the walls of a nearby church where prayer is offered continuously. 24 other victims died with the sisters the day they were killed. Ten days after the martyrs of Campion were executed, Maximilian was executed himself, ending the reign of terror. French Catholics of the time believed that the public executions of the nuns helped bring about the end to the horrors of the revolution and hastened the end of the reign of terror. On May 27, 1906, the martyrs of Campion were beatified, becoming the first martyrs of the French Revolution to be recognized by the Holy See. Their feast day is the 17th of July. On February 22nd of this year, 2022, the Roman Catholic Diocese of Boavius announced that Pope Francis had accepted the procedure of equipollent canonization for the martyrs of Campion by which they could be canonized as saints without recognition of a miracle attributed to their intercession. Okay, so forgive me, but I'm going to say it. That is a damn shame that these 16 women, these martyrs, had to wait to be beatified until 1906. And then now, just two months ago, February 22nd of 2022, they're just now talking about allowing them to become saints. And, you know, again, the whole Roman Catholic thing for sainthood is you have to, the, the church has to recognize two miracles that you have done. The first is to be beatified. Uh, the show of cause is venerable. Then you get your one miracle that they, they can prove uh, according to the church. So that makes you blessed or blessed. And then the next one is your, you know, you become a saint after the second miracle. And again, please, Roman Catholics, don't don't take me wrong, because I 
practice your faith as well as, you know, I'm just, I'm an eclectic mutt. <laughs> so, but my thing is, is, this is just absurd. This is absolutely, I mean, doesn't this upset you as much as it upsets me? It really does, because it's just totally ridiculous that these 16 women did what they did, and they didn't waver for a very second, not even a blink of an eye did they waver. All the way to the very, very end, each one singing as the other one is killed, and then another one all the way through. And we're piddling around with politics on whether they should be canonized or not? Ah, I'm sorry. This is just this is just mind blowing to me, and is totally absurd. And I know a lot of people would say, "Well, don't be surprised. It's organized religion." And I, you know what? I agree with you there. But again, it still doesn't stop me from being upset. And uh, it's just, I don't know. It's just totally ridiculous. Okay, so again, the martyrs of Compion consisted of eleven nuns, three lay sisters and two externs that they also called tertiaries. Now remember, there were 20 members of that convent, four of which had not been present or at the convent when the arrest took place. So there were four that actually survived from that convent. Um, and I'm going to take a moment, and I hope you all continue to listen, because I'm going to read each one of their names and give you a little bit of um, background on each of them. I promise I won't take up much more of your time, but I think it's very important that we don't just remember them as the 16 martyrs of Campion, but that we remember each of their names. It's important that we know each of their names. It's important that we know a little bit about each of these amazing, truly amazing beings. The first was Mother Teresa of St. Augustine. She was the prioress. Her name, birth name was Madeleine Claudine Ledone. Uh, she was born in Paris on the 22nd of September, 1752. She professed on May 1775. She was the only child of an employee of the Paris Observatory. According to Bush, who was the writer of this article, she received every educational advantage available to young ladies of the time. Her artistic and poetic gifts were cultivated. Some of her work has been preserved at the Carmels of Campion and Sins. Her dowry to enter the convent was paid by Marie Antoinette herself. The next is Mother Saint Louise, sub prioress. Her name was Mary Antoinette Bridau, born in Belfort on the 7th of December, 1752. She professed on September of 1771. Her father was a professional soldier, probably stationed at Campion at some point in his career. Mother Henriette of Jesus, ex-prioress for two terms, elected by the community in 1779 and 1782, novice mistress Marie-Francois Gabrielle de Croissy, born in Paris, 18 June 1745. She professed February of 1764 and was prioress from 1779 to 1785. Mother Henriette uh, or Henrietta was the great niece of Jean-Baptiste Colbert, King Louis's minister. 
She had already spent half her life as a Carmelite at the time of her execution, coming to Compiègne when she was 16. She was refused entrance at first by the prioress at the time because of her youth. She was sent home in Amiens for another year and finally made her profession in 1764. According to Mother Teresa Henriette, one all hearts by her natural gentleness and affection as might as real mother. So they, you know, described her as almost as the Blessed Mother, um, the Virgin Mary, or also known as the Theotokos, in her mannerisms and her how she was. Like Mother Teresa, Henriette wrote verses and was a talented artist. Her and some of her works have also been preserved at the Carmels of Compion and Sense. Now I'm going to try to find uh, online the Carmels of uh, Compion and Sense and put that link in the show notes. So if anybody wants to go check it out, I hope they have some of this, um, some of their blessed um, writings and artistry there for us. The next is Sister Mary of Jesus Crucified. Her name, birth name was Mary Ann Piedcourt. She was born 1715 and professed in 1737. According to the writer John B. Wainwright, while mounting the scaffold, she said, I forgive you as heartily as I wish God to forgive me. Sister Charlotte of the Resurrection, also an ex-sub-prioress from 1764 and 1778, and Sacristan, she was also known, and her birth name is Anne-Marie Madeline Tourette. She was born in Mouy, M-O-U-Y, on the 16th of September, 1715. She professed in August of 1740. Sister Charlotte was the oldest sister of the group of martyrs. She possessed a very lively mind and was naturally inclined towards gaiety. Her father died early in her life. Her mother remarried, but Sister Charlotte resented her stepfather. She entered the religious life after witnessing a tragedy at one of the balls she attended as a young girl. She nursed other sickly nuns despite the toll it took on her own body. She was miraculously healed after toxic exposure to paint lead left her seriously cognitively impaired for two years. So when I say professed, those of you aren't aware with the Roman Catholic ways, that's when they uh, took their vows and became nuns. Next we have Sister Euphrasia of the Immaculate Conception, whose birth name was Marie Claude Simpien, or Simprian, born in 1736 in Borth. She professed in 1757, entered Compion in 1756. At the age of 20, she was witty, humorous, and possessed an undeniable exterior charm. Sister Euphrasia wrote priests and others in the religious life for spiritual direction and left a voluminous correspondence during her 30 years in the community. Her letters reveal a strong personality plagued by a certain restlessness, something always potentially problematic in a cloistered community. Next, we have Sister Teresa of the Sacred Heart of Mary, and her birth name was Marie Antoinette Hennesset, 
born in Reims in 1740 or 1742. She professed in 1764. She was the daughter of a saddle maker. She served as the Carmel's interior turn sister, receiving goods for the community from the outside world. Next, we have Sister Julie Louise of Jesus. Um, her birth name was Rose Chretien de la Nouvelle. It said she was a widow, so I take it she was married before she, um, she professed. And she was born in LaRue or Evreux in 1741, and she professed in 1777. She had married a cousin despite her calling to religious life. After her husband died prematurely, she became so depressed and disconsolate she went into deep mourning to the point that her family feared for her sanity. She re received help from a cleric associated with her family and recovered with a new sense of her calling. She wrote five stanza stanzas of verse for her and her sisters to recite as they prepared for their deaths. St. Teresa of St. Ignatius, birth name Marie Gabrielle Trezel, born in Compiègne on the 4th of April, 1743, professed in 1771. She was a native Compiègne. She was called a mystic with a sense of the absolute. Next is Sister Marie Henrietta of Providence, birth name Anne Petrus, born in Cajarc in on the 17th of June, 1760, professed in October of 1786, Sister Marie, or Mary, Henrietta, before joining the Carmelite order, was a member of the Sisters of Charity of Nevers. She was afraid her natural beauty might prove a danger in the congregation where she was constantly exposed to the outside world. So she sought a more, clo a more cloistered life. She came from a large, pious family. Five of her sisters were also nuns in the Nevers order, and two of her brothers were priests. Next, we have Sister Constance of St. Denise, or St. Denis, and she was a novice. Um, her birth name was Marie Genevieve Meunier. She was born in St. Denis on the 28th of May, 1765 or 1766. Sister Constance was the youngest member of the community. She was barred from making her final vows as a nun due to the revolutionary laws outlawing it. So she professed to them to Mother Teresa before going to her death. When it became obvious to her family that she would not be able to legally profess her vows, they sent her brother to force her to return home. She refused. So he brought in the police, but they were convinced that she was in Compiègne by her own choice and did not force her to leave with her brother. So next we have the three lay sisters. Sister Saint Martha, was a lay sister, birth name Mary or Marie Defour, born in Beyond, the 1st of October or 2nd, 1742, entered the community on 1772. Sister Mary of the Holy Spirit, a lay sister. Uh, her birth name was Anglique, or Angelique, excuse me, Roselle, born in Fresnes, 4th of August, 1742, professed in 1769. Sister Frances Xavier, birth name Julie Verlot, or Verlo. She was a lay sister, born in Langs or Lingniers on the 11th of 
January 1764. She professed in 1789. She was illiterate, but she distinguished herself as much by her youthful zeal and good humor as by her terse expressions of love for Jesus Christ. In the convent, her main task was to care for the older nuns. And the two externs were Catherine Soron, born in 1742, and Therese Soron, born 1748. Both had, had been tertiaries in the service of the community since 1772. And thank you all for those who are still listening um, that got through all of their names and their background information. Again, I thought it was so very important that not to just share their story um, and the amazing things that they each did, but also to share a little bit of that person. We have to keep in mind, these were people, you know, these are, you know, amazing light energy beings, angels, saints, whatever you want to label them now. Uh, they're still they're still with us, um, you know, and even though they're not canonized yet, feel free to pray to them for intervention, for help um, to any one of them or to all of them. You know, why, why not? There's strength in numbers and they really live that not a one of them gave up on the other and they stayed together all the way to the very end. Um, so again, thank you all for listening. Um, I can't, I can't say I hope you enjoyed the show, but I hope you got something from this show, even though it was very sad and tragic. Um, you know, keep in mind what they, what they did, what they achieved. They brought about the end of a horrific time in France, um, by becoming martyrs, by giving their lives, um, and so, I mean, that can't be disputed. They, they were just beyond amazing on so many levels and otherworldly on so many different levels. And I want that, you know, I hope their story has inspired you, has strengthened you and encouraged you, especially if you're someone that's practicing a faith that's constantly ridiculed and put down and persecuted. Um, don't don't give up your faith. Don't change your faith. Don't hide your faith. They didn't hide theirs. And yes, it cost them their lives. But, you know, look, look at look at where they're at now. No doubt they are in the heaven of heavens and right there with the divine. And, you know, it's just, you know, infinite blessings to each and every one of them. And the martyrs of Compion pray for us. And I'm going to do my very level best to try to find information um, on the Compions. So uh, websites, so hopefully they'll have information um, like it was saying here as far as the writings and the, the artistic works of, of some of these um, amazing blessed sisters that we can look up and, and, and share and be sure to check out the links that I provide on the uh, website, and I'll give you information in just a moment on how to do that um, to see if that link is there. I'm, I'm almost positive there's got to be something, you know, somewhere, because it's probably a museum now. So I will get to work on that and get that added. So I would like to close with the prayer that the Blessed Sisters uh, 
were singing um, as each one made their way up to the guillotine. And I'm not, I'm not going to sing. <laughs> so I wouldn't do that to you. I'm, I'm a horrible singer. I can play music, but I can't, I can't sing it. So I'm going to read uh, Psalm 116 as our closing prayer. And if you can, please um, just keep them, each of them, in your mind as I read this prayer. I love the Lord, for he heard my voice. He heard my cry for mercy. Because he turned his ear to me, I will call on him as long as I live. The cords of death entangled me. The anguish of the grave came over me. I was overcome by distress and sorrow. Then I called on the name of the Lord. Lord, save me. The Lord is gracious and righteous. Our God is full of compassion. The Lord protects the unwary. When I was brought low, he saved me. Return your rest, my soul, for the Lord has been good to you. For you, Lord, have delivered me from death, my eyes from tears, my feet from stumbling, that I may walk before the Lord in the land of the living. I trusted in the Lord when I said, I am greatly afflicted. In my alarm, I said, Everyone is a liar. What shall I return to the Lord for all his goodness to me? I will lift up the cup of salvation and call on the name of the Lord. I will fulfill my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his faithful servants. Truly, I am your servant, Lord. I serve you just as my mother did. You have freed me from ch my chains. I will sacrifice a thank offering to you and on the name of the Lord. I will fulfill my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people in the courts of the house of the Lord in your midst, Jerusalem. Praise the Lord. Okay, so an update. I was not able to find anything on the internet of the Carmels of Compion and Cells. So if anybody out there can find any information on them, or especially the writings of any of the Blessed Sisters, please uh, contact me and let me know so I can do an update on this episode so I can share that with everybody and so we can all partake in, in their lineage of their writings. Um, I was able to find the book by William Bush, which a lot of the information I shared came from. The book is called To Quell the Terror, the True Story of the Carmelite Martyrs of Campion. Again, it's by William Bush. I'll have a link in the uh, show notes on the website for anybody that's interested, interested excuse me, in that. But in closing, I want to leave one more thing with all of you to kind of drive home the Blessed Sisters. Um, the One of the songs that they sang when they were in the cart being transferred or transported to um, where they were going to be executed. It took two hours where people were cursing them and throwing things at them. One of the songs they sang was Salve Regina. And I'm going to play that song for you. 
And this rendition is by Beth Nielsen Chapman. It's a beautiful rendition. So I hope you all uh, enjoy it and that you can kind of put yourself with those sisters um, in, you know, while they were in this cart being taken to the to their deaths, to their executions. Salve Regina Celi Tum, O Maria, Sors Unica Teri Genum, O Oh, 
Sorry, I hope you all had tissues handy. I know I'm sorry. I should have gave a disclaimer or warning before I played that. But for those of you who aren't up on your Latin and want to know what that prayer actually means in English, uh, Salve Regina means Hail Queen. And the prayer in English is the Hail Holy Queen prayer. Uh, those of you who are Roman Catholic probably know this. If you uh, recite the rosary, a lot of times the Hail Holy Queen prayer is a preliminary prayer used before you recite the rosary. Uh, those of you who are of goddess faiths, you might really like this prayer or be able to use aspects of it uh, for your prayer and practices. And I know you already probably have many beautiful prayers uh, for your faith. But the prayer, the Hail Holy Queen prayer goes, Hail Holy Queen, Mother of Mercy, our life, our sweetness, and our hope. To thee do we cry, poor banished children of Eve. To thee do we send up our sighs, mourning and weeping in this valley of tears. Turn then, O most gracious advocate, thine eyes of mercy toward us. And after this, our exile, show unto us the blessed fruit of thy womb, Jesus. O clement, O loving, O sweet Virgin Mary, pray for us, O holy Mother of God, that we may be made worthy of the promises of Christ. Before I bounce out of here, I have one more quick announcement. Uh, this Wednesday... This coming Wednesday, a new episode, the April episode of the Book Nook will be uploaded and aired. So please don't miss that one because I make a big announcement, or at least I felt it was big. A big announcement uh, at the beginning of the Book Nook show, and that again is this Wednesday that uploads at 12 a.m. Eastern Time, Wednesday morning. So I will pause here for now. Thank you all so very much for listening. I so hope and pray that you have found what you have been searching for in this show and that it is even more than what you have been looking for and that it continues to be that for you. I am so very open, as I've always said and will say, for suggestions and recommendations for the show. We have people listening from all over the world and each week I see on the statistics that there's more and more people from more and more different countries listening. And that is so amazing and an infinite thanks and blessings to each of you. But I know that you all have amazing angels and saints in your country, in your culture that we don't know about. It could be past. It could be present that we don't know about, but we should know about. So please, please, please contact me share this information with me or at least point me in a direction where i can go and find information so we can start sharing these amazing beings of your country and cultures with the rest of the world next is prayers i love to pray those of you've been following the show know that more than anybody i try my level best to be in a continuous state of prayer and prayer is so very important to our listeners too and they love to pray so why not let us pray for you in order to do that you can either email me or you can fill out a form that's on the website and i'll give that information here in just a moment but please 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 reach out to us 
Let us know your prayer intentions. It can be for you, a loved one, a friend, uh, for anything going on in the world right now. And there is so much going on. But we would love to pray with you and for you. So there's two ways to contact me. The first would be through email, and that is at Faith and More Podcast, all one word, Faith and More Podcast at gmail.com. The second is through our website, which I highly recommend the website because it's so easy to listen to the show through the website as well as get the show notes. And there's so much important information in the show notes that if you only listen on iTunes or Spotify or one of those other platforms, you're missing out on the show notes. And I don't want anyone to miss out on anything with the show. It's so very important that you get everything that's offered. And it's absolutely free. So the website is Faith and More Podcast. Again, all one word, Faith and More Podcast dot Wix site, W-I-X-S-I-T-E dot com slash my dash site. Again, that's Faith and More Podcast dot Wixsite dot com slash my dash site. If you like the show, I hope you continue to return. And if you really like the show, I so hope that you share the show with a friend, family, anyone that you think that can uh, benefit from the show. And also, please subscribe and follow. And there's this new thing called rating, which can be done on Spotify and Apple Podcast, where you can actually rate the show. If you rate the show, it actually moves the show up into categories where people can access it more. So it's another great way to get the show out to as many people as possible. Because at this moment, we don't have sponsors. We don't have ads or anything like that that can help circulate the show. So right now, it's all based on us. And that's word of mouth and sharing with others. So please, 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 if you like the show, really like the show, please share it with as many people as possible. So infinite thanks and blessings to each of you once again for listening. I so hope and pray I see you again next week. Please know that each and every one of you are in my heart and in my prayers. And don't forget, love yourself and love each other.